It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Today's episode of Locked on Raptors is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your next order of Built Bars. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 904 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, March the 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can also find the podcast on all your favorite podcast providers. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, all of the good stuff that you do on all the respective apps. It's always appreciated. And as always, please tell a friend about the podcast too. And I am telling you, my friend, about uh, the other podcast of the network that you should check out as well. It's not just the Raptors being covered here. We have shows covering all the teams in the Big Four sports. If you are a Toronto sports fan, we've got Locked On Leafs. We've got Locked On Blue Jays. You heard from both Mike and AJ, the hosts of those shows, last week on this podcast in two installments as we did the Toronto Sports Roundtable. And I uh, highly recommend you go check them out. Shout out to AJ for uh, getting Locked On Blue Jays shouted out in the top five Toronto sports podcasts as well in the Toronto Star right next to Dishes and Dimes. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, so go listen to Locked On Jays and Locked On Leafs. Uh, two Toronto sports teams that are in better states than your Toronto Raptors right now. On that note, on today's show, we're not doing the typical thing where we talk about the game and our big takeaways, because guess what? Each of the last five Raptors games have had the exact same takeaways. They're miserable and sad, and uh, there's not really anything to take away other than that mm, they should get their good players back in the lineup. 
So we're just going to have a bit more of a broad chat about where the Raptors sit now and pick up the pieces after five losses and now going on like three weeks since the Raptors last had their actual lineup together. Uh, February 24th, the last time they had the full complement of players. It's a bummer to think about. Anyway, joining me to talk about all of that and uh, I guess sort of maybe uh, synthesize some of the melting down that's going on on Raptors Internet this morning. It's our pal Big V, Big CBC, Big Lavender, uh, Big Vivek. Jacob, what's going on, buddy? How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that really mellowed out at the end. Um, Yeah, I ran out of names. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for the big introduction. Yeah, the, the timeline is a scary place right now. I'm glad one of the things that the pandemic has taught me is to just be a lot less online and just have a lot less screen time because this season it's been a mess it's been a mess out there and i don't think it's been quite as low as we've been the last couple of days obviously with the raptors getting blown out by the hornets and the bulls and yeah all the players missing and yeah it's it's a it's a dark place as we spring forward Yeah, uh, that's the one good thing going on right now is to spring forward. If you're one of these people who is like, we lose an hour of sleep on a Sunday, (laughs) you're you're Billy King. You're you're making trades. You're you're getting hung up on trade assets that don't matter, right? Like it's to trade one hour of sleep on a Sunday for six months of more sun. That is like trading uh, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce for all of the picks for the rest of time. Like you're you're getting Billy Kinged if you're on the side of daylight savings is bad. Um, you know if they wanted to just keep this year round and have more sunlight year round, I'd also be fine with that. But uh, stop complaining about spring forward. Anyway, not enough for the water cooler talk. Uh, <laughs> let's get in to your Toronto Raptors with that. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> regrettably, yes. Um, Look, it's not good right now. They're 17 and 22. They've lost five in a row. It seems like they're likely to get some guys back this week. It sounds like some one-on-o work is going on with some of these dudes. We don't know who. There's no specifics. But I guess the hope is that if not Wednesday against the Pistons, Friday against the Jazz might be once they start getting some of these guys back, which is great. My question to you, Vivek, is they're now 17-22. and 22. They've fallen down. I don't even know where they are in the standings at this point. We know they're just four games out of the loss column for fourth place, so it's not like it's that you know, de- depressing and dire just yet. But, you know, where, where are you at? You know, we've talked a lot about what the direction the team should take should be going into the trade deadline, and I guess the overall question I have for you is the last five games, have they changed how you view what the team should do going into this year's deadline? I don't think the last five games have changed it too much. I think I've reached a point where if the Raptors can find a strong deal for Kyle Lowry, I'm in favor of it. Just because when I look at the ceiling of this Raptors team for this season, I don't know how much it's changing, right? And I I look at... East and if I'm being real are they beating the Sixers in a seven game series no are are they beating the Nets no Miami that's a no for me same with the Celtics and Milwaukee I know people make the argument about coach Bud and what go on in the playoffs there at best you know the Raptors would go in as slight underdogs but you you expect the Bucks to be able to pull it out with the way the Raptors have been um so when you when you look at that I, I do feel the Raptors should you know be thinking about the future if there's a deal that presents itself i don't think they should be sellers for the sake of selling 
-hmm. but yeah, I, I do lean towards, you know, exposing the, the core a bit more, if you will. And, you know, maybe, right. maybe not having that, that crutch that Kyle Lowry has been uh, in terms of lineups and what, what he's able to do to make them better. And, uh, you know, just beginning that process of, uh, finding a new identity without him. And obviously a lot of that identity I think will remain because I think he's taught this group so much and especially mm -hmm. that competitive spirit. And, you know, if, if there is one lasting legacy that there will be uh, with Kyle Lowry, no matter when his tenure ends with the Raptors, I think it's the fact that this is a franchise that values two-way play. And uh, you look at, OG Ananobi, you look at Fred Van Vliet, you look at Pascal Siakam, there is always going to be a high floor with that core because of what they provide on both ends of the court. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's probably the biggest legacy that he has whenever whenever it comes to an end. Like I said, if, if there's a deal that's favorable to the Raptors uh, that works for both sides, then I think you go ahead and pull the trigger. I, I do think you have to be proactive in those discussions. And, you know, with Michael Grange, when his report came out, I, I just took that more as they're clearly not getting anything in the range of what they're looking for. And so whoever wants him, you better step your offer up if you really want it. Yeah. So I guess I'm a little different than you. We rarely disagree on this podcast, which is uh, it's nice to bring in some disagreement once in a <laughs> while, I suppose. Um, I, I just I still maintain that this team is good. And the last five games mean literally nothing. The losses are very real, yes, and they make the record look bad, and they make the climb back up the standings difficult, but they're not that far out. And the teams in front of them are no great shakes, great shakes in comparison to a healthy Raptors team that is leaning small. I guess you could make the argument that maybe they just won't be healthy all year. We don't know what the effects are going to be of the virus on guys returning to the lineup and, you know, who actually was sick and, you know, how bad were their symptoms and are they going to be, you know, belabored coming back. We've seen it happen with a couple guys this year, like Jason Tatum, for example, where it's a bit of a slow road back, Drew, Drew Holiday as well. And so I guess you could argue that maybe there's a chance the Raptors are never at full steam this season, which would, I think, line up quite poetically with just how dumb this whole season is. That said, I still think the team is good. There's a good team lurking in here. And when they're at their best, I do think there's a world in which they make it to a second round. Maybe even a conference finals if the, if the, if the sort of chips break right or whatever. The Plinko chips fall in a favorable way. That's the, the absolute ceiling of the team. And I don't think it's likely necessary that they make a conference finals. But I do th still think a second round exit is completely on the table. Because they're not far out from a favorable seed where they can kind of, you know, you could talk yourself into them beating Boston or Miami or whatever. None of those teams are, like, all these teams are flawed. All these teams have weaknesses. And I still think that if you add something to this team, if you go pick up a center, if you go pick up a four who can play, you know, next to OG and Siakam, there's still room there for this team to be quite good and be a problem in the postseason. Obviously, it gets more difficult the more losses you compile to get back into the seating and avoid a play-in game. And, you know, you still have the Hornets who are turning around and looking pretty good and LaMelo Ball's awesome and the Bulls or whatever. Like, there's just more teams to jump now. But I still think at the core, this team is good. If anything has changed for me in the last five or so games, it's that maybe I'm a little less on the trade a first-rounder for that young sort of, like, get make that kind of move mm -hmm. sort of position because yeah like there's a good chance that 
this pick could be pretty decent and maybe they end up like 15th 16th 17th and you're thinking oh shit but maybe that's like you know maybe you're getting like a ben mathurin or something like that and you're really kind of giving yourself a really i keep having ben mathurin in my head <laughs> because he looks awesome and he's canadian and he it seems rad but um you know maybe you're getting yourself a pretty good player and, and trading away that pick is maybe dicey and i and i get that but still i maintain that you should just keep the team together. Like, Norm Powell is good. And yes, maybe he gets a slight overpay on his next contract for what he does for you. But there's also no way of saying whether or not he's done developing. Like, there could still be a playmaking thing to unlock there with him. And if that happens, you get a lot more comfortable paying him whatever the market is going to bear for him. I think with Kyle, I want to just see it through to the end. Whatever the postseason run is, if you get to the second round, you get five more awesome Kyle Lowry games. I think that's worth it to me. And then you can potentially bring him back because I really do think like if they bring back this exact same team next season and they're just playing in Toronto and not afflicted by the plague, this team is probably like a four seed. <laughs> like I, I, I'm pretty high on what this team can be at full strength. And I, I just it seems premature and a little short sighted to say, well, they lost these five meaningless games and the standings are, are what they are and the outlook for the season is what it is. Must trade everyone now. I, I just I think that's short sighted, and I think the team can accomplish what the entire goal has been for the last eight years in being good and always being in a position to get better by having tradable stuff and flexibility. I still think they can accomplish that just by staying the course. So, kind of I guess to condense what I'm saying, the last five games have maybe softened me on the go all in, all in type of thing to make this team really good. But I still think staying the course is the best option because tanking, by the way, is going to be difficult. They're too good to do that. They've already banked 17 wins. They're probably going to bank a lot more once they get their guys back. And you're not going to actually properly tank. And you're going to end up in like the 8, 9, 10, 11 region at the best, I would say. And maybe you get the super crazy stroke of luck and go up to first overall or jump in the lottery. It's not likely and it's not something to build your team around. And, and I, I just feel like you'll get somebody in what is regarded to be a very good draft. You're still going to get someone good with that first over, first round pick to pair with the core you have in place. You get Malachi Flynn probably becoming more of a rotation piece next season. Who knows what happens with like a Jalen Harris. You'll probably find another Benbury or a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson type or two on the market for minimums or whatever. And you'll have a pretty competitive team next year that you can roll out and say, hey, you know, like if we get to the point where a star becomes available, we have this, this, and this to trade, and we have all of our future picks we can go make something happen and take that jump once again. And maybe it doesn't happen next year. It doesn't have to happen next year. There's no urgency right now still. They're still in the honeymoon phase of the title to me, and there's still room here to just sort of let things build and be patient. And I think to take these last five games and use it as fuel to trade away Norm Powell and Kyle Lowry is the exact opposite of patience. And I can't imagine... Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri making their evaluations based on the last five games, which we've all kind of established mean absolutely nothing. Am I crazy? No, not at all. And, you know, so the one thing I would say is I wouldn't associate trading Kyle Lowry as a move towards tanking. I, I, I just think the core is too good to go into tank mode. And mm. so I'm just thinking about the future. And so when I think about Kyle Lowry and what he said about, hey, I will retire as a Raptor, you know, whether it's a it's a one day contract, whatever it may be, I think he recognizes the business side of it as well. And he recognizes his window to win a title is absolutely closing at his age. And so I think from that standpoint, if this is going to be Kyle Lowry's 
last year as a Raptor and he's not going to get that great season in Toronto where, you know, it's kind of like a goodbye or whatever it may be. Um, then I think the responsible thing to do as an organization was is to do right by him and also uh, to secure assets for the future. Uh, so I wouldn't associate, you know, trading Kyle Lowry with tanking necessarily, but what I will say as an overarching point that maybe brings both of us together is I do think the Raptors have to go one of two ways. I don't think the Raptors can just sit at the deadline. If you are going to keep mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry, I, I do think you have to do something that improves the roster right now to make yourself better for the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if, 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 if that's the way you want to go, then find a way to improve the back end and help the rotation out uh, a little bit. If you're going the other way, then you're going the other way. But I do think there are one of two ways. And I do think if they just sat silent at the deadline, I do think that would be a front office miss. Hmm. See, I don't know if I entirely agree with that. Cause again, I think staying the course is fine and a totally reasonable thing that said, I, you know, I think an addition would be nice for sure. And I think I would, you know, prefer they do something than not if they are going to hang on to Lowry and Powell, you know, be just you know, be, to fill up those rotation holes. If you find a center for a couple seconds, awesome. I I do think though, like I said, the trade a first for Thad Young thing or similar type player probably is less viable as they lose more games and it becomes a bit more of a, a difficult hill to climb. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Interesting stuff, man. They're in a weird <laughs> spot. It's so bizarre covering this team this year, considering how different it's been from the last uh, eight years. It's just a bit of a shock to the system. Uh, We're going to continue on diving into the Raptors uh, sort of direction here. And maybe we entertain the concept of tanking and what might actually need to be done in order for the Raptors to properly tank the rest of this season. A thing that both Big V and I seem to be against and I think probably probably seem to think is pretty impossible considering who's on the team. But we'll entertain that idea coming up in just a second. But first, wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, and be better? There is, and if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditation you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Look, right now, is uh, well-being is a tough thing to come by as a third wave stares us down and the uncertainty about vaccine rollouts takes place. And it's, uh, it's very easy to not be in a great space in your mind. Trust me, I'm telling you, it's, it's real. But Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. If something's going to help you right now, Headspace is a pretty good bet. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime anywhere you deserve to feel happier and headspace is meditation made simple go to headspace.com slash locked on nba that's headspace.com slash locked on nba for a free one month trial with access to headspace's full library of meditations for every situation that's headspace.com slash locked on nba 
Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Bet, uh, football might be over, but you've got the NBA, you've got March Madness, and the NHL in full swing. Baseball's coming up soon, too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. The Oscar noms were put out today, and you can bet on those over at BetOnline. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. It's also free to sign up. Just head to BetOnline.ag and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with your free new account with the promo code locked on that's betonline.ag promo code locked on your online sportsbook experts all right vivek let's entertain the concept of tanking for just one second <laughs> there seems to be like the whole fade for Cade thing coming back as they've lost five in a row and i think are tied for the eighth best lottery odds in the league right now that means very little the teams are all clustered together you know 60 percent of the league is bad to like mediocre right now it's not like they're in any sort of pole position to fall into the real depths of the lottery. What is the path to do it? It, it like it just this seems to be like a like oh go get Cade Cunningham, go get Jonathan Kaminga, like fall into the top five. It's a lot more difficult to do than it is to just say go do it, right? Like, is there a path even there? Is it just the Raptors bench their dudes and don't bring them back from the plague, <laughs> like an exercise quote unquote caution? Or is there actually a path here if the Raptors trade Kyle Lowry, trade Norman Powell? Is there a path to the Raptors being bad enough over the final 30-something games to actually earnestly find themselves in one of those primo lottery positions come season's end? No, because I don't think it's just trading Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell that gets you to tanking, which is why I wouldn't think about tanking at all. Uh, you would have to trade one of Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, or OG as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't think that's up for debate at all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not really hearing the tanking argument. Um, like I said, in terms of, you know, maybe securing some assets for Kyle Lowry, I, I can hear that. But uh, because at the end of the day, like, I, I still think if, if you trade Kyle Lowry and you get some assets in return, the Raptors are still in position. I still think they have enough to compete for, you know, being a tough first round out or whatever it may be. So yeah, like hypothetically, Maxi and Thibel, if that's the return, will probably help you at least a little bit. Right. And, and yeah. alongside the core, like I still think that that's a team that's going to compete in the first round, which isn't all too different from where I see this team right now. And that's kind of why I lean that way. But, hmm. um, you know, I, I I don't really buy the whole tanking thing. I think it's a little too late for that. If the Raptors were going to go that way, it probably should have happened way earlier. And it would have taken quite a few changes right right off the top. So, yeah, I think it, it's a little too late for that. I don't, I don't see them dropping that badly uh, with the group that they have right now. Yeah, like Nick Nurse is too good a coach for it. And... Like the the dudes, are, they just try too hard. They're not going to tank. Like it's it's a team of insane tryhards. It's the identity of the team, and I guess it's sort of like uh, it's coming back around to bite them in a case where if they did want to tank, it's just virtually impossible unless you trade all the dudes who try super hard. It you know, and I just like I I don't really understand. There's this sort of like. And look, it's very straw manny. I'm just like pointing to Raptors Twitter and saying this person says this and like making that into some sort of grand thing. But there is this sort of through line of argument where it's like the Raptors are so bereft of depth and like a a, a shadow core and a, and a second wave of players 
that they just simply have to trade off everything to get as many assets to restock the cupboard as as possible. And I just I don't buy that. <laughs> like they have three very good players locked into contracts for the next three or four years. That's incredibly valuable and is kind of being slept on as a thing that is, in fact, very valuable. Like, they have three good players already on. You tank to get players like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi. Like, that's how good they are, and that's sort of, you know, they're they're well ahead of, say, where they were back in 2013-14, when the last time tanking was a real conversation. And obviously, that was eradicated quite quickly after the Rudy Gay trade and all that, and that went away. But that team was actually bereft of assets. That team didn't have its first-round pick in 2014. And that's just not the case for this team. They have their first-round picks going forward here. They have, you know, Malachi Flynn, who people have already seemed, seemingly forgotten about. Like, he's going to get better. He's going to get some G League run, assume, presumably maybe to start next season. He'll get Summer League, hopefully, this year if they play it. Like, I, I envision Malachi Flynn being a rotation player by at least the middle of next season. And all the things that made him a good pick are still there. You know, he's a very, you know, adept pick and roll operator. He's a smart defender who can jump passing lanes. He seems to fit exactly what the Raptors want and need. So that's not something I'm concerned about. So you have that. You have this year's first rounder. You have all your firsts going forward. You can always buy a second if you really want to, like, to get in there. Um, You know, they don't have a second this year. But again, that's not a huge insurmountable thing. They're also good with the undrafted market. They also develop dudes with their G League team better than basically anybody else. Like, there's a far better infrastructure to go forward with what you have and then build that shadow core once again. You know, if you think back to 2013-14, you know, they were so far away from having that shadow core built because they didn't have that 2014 pick. They had nothing in terms of young, exciting talent at the back end of the bench. And then their 2015 pick or the 2014 pick, whatever the hell one was used on Bruno, was used on Bruno. And that was a wasted pick as well in terms of building that shadow core up. So I just don't really see like the need to, you know, sell off everything now to ensure you can build up the next version of the team around Pascal, Fred, and OG. I think they already have the tools at their disposal to do it, and if you bring back Kyle and Norm, that gives you even more players around which, like, you can fill in the blanks a little bit with extra guys in the first round pick, whatever it might be. Like, there's just, they'll still have five good players, which is a good thing to have. That's, I kind of want to get to what you think about the Norm thing because we talked about it a little bit with Blake last week I talked about it myself on Friday but I do want to get your feelings on the norm thing because it feels almost like the trade norm sentiment is even stronger than the trade Kyle sentiment at this point um, so let's get to that in one second here but first I just want to tell people about Built Bar it's the best tasting protein bar in the whole damn world it's low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and it is a wonderful tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every single bar and right now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best it's Built Bar Madness go to bar, BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter to see each day's matchup as we roll through we're into the second round right now and I gotta say the committee I think has improperly stacked the region that's on tap today as Toffee Almond and Mint Brownie go against one another, and both of those should be in the Final Four, but they're playing early on in the tournament. They hit each other early. You can go uh, vote on it at BuiltBar.com. And when you go to the site as well, pick up some Built Bars for yourself as well. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15, sorry, LOCKED15, that is, and get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar in the land. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, Big V, let's uh, wrap things up here. I talked for a lot at the end of the last segment there and talked myself into the next break. So my apologies for leaving you on hold for a while. Let's pick up where we left off. Norm, where are you at with the Norm trade talk? It seems to be picking up. He's been awesome lately. Basically, the only reason him and Kyle that the Raptors have even been in shouting distance in a couple of these games recently, and still, it's not enough. We know the strengths, we know the weaknesses, all of that. Where are you at on the trade or not trade norm uh, bandwagon argument? What are we calling it? Who who knows? But what do you think the Raptors should do with Norm? I like Norm. I don't, I don't mind him sticking around. Uh, I wouldn't mind you know establishing him, establishing him as part of the core going forward. Is he going to be priced out? For the Raptors, I'm not quite so sure because he hasn't really established himself as a two-way player, right? And so, mm. if he if he was somewhere in that 15 to 18 million range, uh, then yeah, I'd I'd love to keep him around. Um, once it goes upwards of that, then then it gets tricky. But if it, you know, again, if the Raptors can find a deal that genuinely makes them better, then they've got to look at it. I think the one interesting thing they've got to evaluate is. Are they would they look at someone like a Victor Oladipo and be willing to take on that injury risk? Do they look at him as almost like a Kawhi type project in terms of the injury and say, yeah, this is something that we can manage well? And Alex McKechnie has done his homework and has a plan for him. That's something to evaluate because it, you know there's almost uh, like a JV Marcus all comparison to be made here, right? Like you would love to think that Norman Powell can have the ceiling of a Victor Oladipo. Um, but maybe the best thing is to just go out and get Victor Oladipo. Uh, and so I think that's something the front office has to evaluate. And so if, if there's someone that, you know, you take on a risk to maybe increase the ceiling of the team, then I can see it. If not, you know, you got to know what you have as well. And that's something I think the Raptors have done well uh, as an organization with Masai in place. You know, they've always believed in asset management. You look at re-signing Terrence Ross and then trading him. You look at re-signing DeMar DeRozan and trading him. They've obviously re-signed Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. So uh, the asset management with their own players has been really good. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they took that route with Norman Powell. Uh, with the championship core, obviously... That's another matter because they were acquired for the short term and now they're mm-hmm. no longer here. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, the whole like, oh, you can't let guys leave again for nothing. I, I, I mean, like Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka and Kawhi and Danny Green didn't leave necessarily for nothing. They left after winning a freaking title. So I, <laughs> I don't really describe to that sort of like you must get assets at the end of every player's tenure sort of argument if they give you lots while they're there you know you can get away with riding it out till the end I think and with Norm I just you know I think he fits really nicely even if it is a slight overpay you have already underpaid OG and Fred it seems like those guys seem like they're going to be absolute surplus value contracts two three years from now and even if it's a slight overpay for Norm like you said 
like those contracts of that size are always in demand because they're easy to move and they make bigger trades, you know, facilitatable. And a guy like Norm could get better. Like, there's already been some flashes recently of some nice playmaking. He threw, like, this ridiculous, the one play from the Bulls game that we haven't talked about at all that I remember was, like, a cool little over-the-head little pass to the corner for a three that definitely missed. Uh, but it's just, like, you know, there's... I think you have to at least put some faith in, like, the Raptors development staff to get their guys better at something every year. It's just kind of been the way of the world for four or five years now. And at this point, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give Norm the benefit of the doubt that he can be a better player tomorrow than he is today. That's just Mm -hmm. sort of how I think you have to view the Raptors at this point. And, you know, for me, it always just comes back when you're trading stuff, when you're trading picks and whatnot, or trading for picks. Like, you're always trading for picks with the hope that you get someone like a Norm, an established good NBA player. That's basically the dream with any draft pick. Obviously, some picks you're going to aim higher if you're in the lottery and stuff like that. But basically, the rule of thumb with a draft pick is hopefully you get a guy who can be very good for you and be on the floor when things matter. And I think Norm can do that. He's shown that he can. Yes, he's deficient on the defensive end, but I think the way he fits with three ludicrous monster defenders in Fred, OG, and Pascal, and the way that he offers scoring for a trio that maybe struggles once in a while at creating in the half court, I just think it's a really nice fit. And even if Lowry's not on the team going forward, if you go forward with Fred, Norm, OG, Pascal as your starting four, and then you figure out the rest from there, I think that's a pretty good place to be in. And you're going to be a good and uh, viable team in the Eastern Conference once things are back to normal and you're not playing in fucking Tampa anymore. And so (laughs) I'm very much on the side of just keep Norm and, and let it ride out. And, you know, I feel like you might grow to regret trading Norm if you get two, three years down the line and he's averaging five assists a game for some team, maybe still a bad defender, but like you're probably going to have a little bit of non-buyer's remorse if you just let him walk or, or you trade him and he signs somewhere else long term and starts doing things there. So that's kind of where I'm at there. I'm going to stay the course, man. <laughs> How could you not be at this point, honestly? Like... Their entire philosophy has been stay the course. And I know there's the cries of mediocrity. The first round outs and the second round outs, that's mediocrity. Guess what, man? Mediocrity led to the Raptors uh, being in a position to trade for Kawhi Leonard and win a freaking title. And I'm not saying that they're going to follow the exact same path, but trying to follow the exact same path seems to make a lot of sense to me. And I just think the pieces are already in place to follow that exact path. Had they been out future picks, like three, four picks down the line, then yeah, you have to absolutely look at recouping some of those if you're in a situation like the Rockets were, for example, where you must get picks back after trading away your entire future. The Raptors haven't done that. They can keep the dudes they have and still have enough going forward to rebuild whatever it is around their guys. I I just keep Norm. (laughs) He's good and fun. And good and fun players are nice to have. Um... Yeah, any other like straight thoughts about the state of things right now, man? It's like um, it's so hard to have any opinions on the games because they don't matter. Hopefully, we start to have opinions on games again soon here. But yeah. I don't know. Where are you feeling about the general direction of things? I mean, right now, I'm just looking forward to these guys being back, right? Like Fred, OG, yeah. Pascal. Like just watching the actual version of this team again. Uh, it sucks that they've had to miss these games, and obviously, it's costing them in the standings. But yeah, it'll just be nice to see those guys play again. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of in this weird in-between where we're all waiting for that March 25th deadline. And it's like, okay, is this the team that we're going to be watching for the rest of the season? Is it not? What are the changes coming? And so I'm kind of waiting for that mark to hit, uh, to know 
how the rest of the season season is going to play out. And but besides that, man, I'm just I'm just enjoying some of the other Canadians balling, man. Like you look at what <laughs> Shea Gilders Alexander is doing right now, and Lou Dort, and you know Jamal's been kind of slow out of the All Star break again, but the way he was before that, there's so many guys to watch. There's so many players to enjoy. Um, so yeah. Uh, there's plenty of positives to pick out, even if it isn't, you know, within the Raptors. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm very much averse to watching other NBA games right now because I find the product to be mostly shitty and I don't want the NBA getting my business because, my God. Fair. That's, like, honestly my biggest takeaway from the last five games is I can't believe the NBA is just okay with rolling out games like we've seen the last little while here. I mean, I can. And they're... I, I mean, yeah, fair. They, they, as long as they get the 70, at this point. Yeah, it's just, I just, it's stunning to me that they're just willing to sacrifice quality for quantity with to such a degree, man. Because these are terrible basketball games. Yeah, no one in their right mind should be watching them unless it's your job to watch them. And even then, I'm barely paying attention to these games because there's nothing to be learned. And all I know is I'm going to see Terrence Davis dribble a fucking ball off his knee again in the next three minutes. Like it's just. <laughs> That's just the the what these games are, and I just I, I can't express how dumb it is that the NBA is just so hell bent on the seventy two games being done before the Olympics. You know, if they wanted their seventy two, I get it for TV reasons and all that. I still would have gone mm-hmm. with like fifty eight, fifty six, and you deal with whatever losses there are because you're putting out better product. But they could have just extended it to like August and you know, adjusted a little bit, had another shortened off season. I mean, they just had like a 13 day off season if we're fine with it this year, they can get away with a two month off season or whatever it is going into a, you know, a normal calendar year in 2022, 20, 21, 22, fuck too many twenties. Uh, but <laughs> they just are, Nope. Olympics are done. We got to get the Olympics. And it's just because of that, they're forced to play all these games where teams don't have any players and it is a nightmare. Anyway, that's all I got, man. It's uh, a, <laughs> It's rough going. Uh, just a programming note, probably taking the day on Tuesday. No game and still no clarity on when the hell the Raptors are going to get guys back. And just not a lot to talk about. But later in the week, I will be hosting a locker room. Uh, we have a new partnership with Locker Room at Locked On. And so Sorry. once a week, I'll be doing locker room calls. And uh, we'll do a little mailbag action or something like that later in the week. But tomorrow will likely be a down day. Before we wrap up, though, Vivek, anything you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, part of why I'm watching those Canadians play those other games is because uh i've got a canadian basketball show to host north court hell yeah and so we'll have a new episode coming out this week and it's going to be extremely march madness themed with that coming up and some of the canadians you can look out for there you can check out my regular written work at complex and cbc sports you can listen to me talk soccer at red couch manx available wherever you get your podcasts and you can follow me on twitter at vivek m jacob Excellent, man. Uh, you can find me, of course, at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, you can listen to the CEBL show. Speaking of Canadian content, the podcast covering the CEBL. Uh, this year, I'm co-hosting with Amy Otterbert, who is a TV star or soon-to-be TV star, which is very mm-hmm. fun. Uh, and this week on the podcast, this is a little teaser for those who listen to the very end. Robert Sacre is going to join myself and Amy on the CEBL show to talk about becoming the new 
GM of the Fraser Valley Bandits, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, there's also uh, basketball. You can listen to that. Uh, myself and Katie Heindel, we did a year look back uh, since the before times on Thursday's episode. It was actually not as depressing as I expected it to be. So there's a ringing endorsement. Go subscribe there. And uh, that is going to do it. We will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you then. Have a good one, everybody. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 